Welcome to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Rimel, registered nurse, founder and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. During her podcast, Krista will interview experienced and successful healthcare professionals on outside-the-box health topics. During their time together, they will have in-depth discussions with trusted medical and health and wellness leaders to discover what they do to stay well using traditional and non-traditional health practices. Experts will share not only what, but why they practice the holistic lifestyle medicine they do and the science that backs their less than mainstream ideas. You'll hear the real and relatable personal health struggles of healthcare providers and what rebelling outside of the traditional healthcare system did to better their lives, careers, and health. Tune in to listen and learn the mind-body-spirit practices from conventional health experts who share hope and inspiration from honest stories of healing while reflecting the scientific-based evidence to wisely guide the inner rebel inside you. It's time to rebel and be well. Jeremy to the Rebel and Be Well podcast. I'm going to introduce you to our audience and our audience to you. Chef Jeremy has a broad food background from chef instructor at Le Cordon Bleu to culinary education manager for the largest healthcare provider in Minnesota. In his early days on the scene, he worked at Tim McGee's Solera, as well as Robert Mondavi and Julia Child's Copia in Napa Valley. Jeremy has always been passionate about great food and loves helping others discover the delicious and nutritious healing power of real food. Chef Jeremy continues helping home cooks take their skills to the next level on a global scale with Launch My Health, a virtual service provider that offers live and fully interactive cooking and nutrition classes for those ready to take command of their kitchen. In addition, he's one of our lead chefs at The Point Retreat since 2017. He takes a back-to-basics approach to cooking whole food and fresh food, focusing on using the best available, locally grown ingredients whenever possible. He has always been passionate about great food and loves helping others take command of their own kitchens. Personal statement, becoming your best self is a lifelong journey, not a day trip. To stay energized and focused, we must pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and avoid becoming discouraged when we fall short. Most importantly, we must not forget to celebrate the small successes along the way. Very wise advice for 2020 and 2021. I like it. So Chef Jeremy will be joining us at a number of retreats this year, including our first 2021 retreat in April for healthcare professionals. I am personally interested in learning more about Chef Jeremy because I've already witnessed the magical moments he creates in the kitchen at the Point Retreats. Jeremy is our culinary clinician in the kitchen, where he teaches the fundamentals of food as medicine, but most importantly, he fosters fun, teamwork, and a positive relationship with food. Lean in to learn why Jeremy is otherwise known as Chef Jeremy Extraordinaire to those of us at the Point Retreats. And don't miss our fire round questions at the end for some tips that you can apply in your own kitchen. So welcome, Jeremy. Thank you for taking time to talk with me today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. My gosh, hearing uh, hearing you read that all, wow, it sent me back a little bit. I don't know if I've ever yeah. heard anyone read all of that to me. Yeah, you had some so flashbacks. <laughs> Well, you've done a lot in your career. It's been an amazing road, I have to say. And yeah, it's not the, the typical, you know, 
culinary school, line cook, you know, uh-huh. uh, sous chef sort of trajectory. And, um, and it's, I've loved every minute of it. Mm-hmm. That's what good. You know, your personal statement said it all, right? It's kind of a journey and you've had yeah. one. Jeremy, can you tell us what drew you into the culinary arts? Because I have a little more background on you that I know that wasn't where you started when you got your high school diploma. So how did you get from there to ending up in so many well-known kitchens? Probably first and foremost, I've always loved to eat. Uh, I think that <laughs> is that a requirement a, for being a chef? You know, I, I, it doesn't hurt. Uh, sure. I definitely, yeah, it helps. Uh, and I think that has to be or should be sort of at the core of anyone that really wants to kind of get into this field is you got to love food. You got to love to eat, right? Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, I didn't start, I didn't spend my entire career working in food. I spent about 10 years in manufacturing and I came to a point in my life where it was like, I, I'm either going to do this or this type of work forever, or I'm going to take mm-hmm. this opportunity and um, do something that I'm really passionate about. And I really believe that, you know, in order to achieve success in one's career, there's got to be some passion at the core of it. So I took that leap. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 10 years after beginning my work life, I, I got into food. So how did you get then from the culinary space to the healthcare space? How did that happen for you? Very early on in my culinary career, in fact, it was my internship Mm -hmm. I did um, in in, uh, Northern California in Napa. I was exposed to teaching. I did my internship in a teaching kitchen and it it sparked something in me. I, you know, after I did the internship, I went, I felt it was important to do the traditional learning pieces. And so I did the restaurant thing for several years, Mm -hmm. but that, that teaching spark, it was always still sort of just an ember, you know, inside of me. And Mm -hmm. so I've, I've had the opportunity to expand on that, expound on that. And it led me into, into healthcare, which is again, just a crazy avenue or a crazy, you know, right turn Mm -hmm. for someone on my career path. But uh, we got to take a leap sometimes. And, and so that's kind of how, how I got into healthcare. I mean, I, you know, I tell people the story sometimes and they're like, say that again. What? <laughs> I know, which is the coolest thing ever, because why should we, I mean, why wouldn't we have food and food as medicine as part of our healthcare system? Right. And so you really took that to a whole nother level as, you know, Jeremy and I conversed and got to know another better kind of through the point retreats. Uh, it was some classes that uh, were started when I was at the same healthcare system around diabetes care and helping people manage their diabetes in the kitchen that then you took to a whole nother level and built like this was part of building this gorgeous kitchen and this phenomenal place to learn and like fall in love with food and fall in love with cooking and being in the kitchen, realizing that you can manage many chronic diseases with food. And that's a passion of mine. So right there, it was like, oh, yes, look at where you went with that. It was so exciting. Um, And you're not done yet. I mean, you've got more ahead. So it's it's fun to continue to watch you expand and grow in, in all that you offer in the culinary world in traditional and non-traditional ways. Would you say you're a rare chef that has made that bridge into like, hey, I want to take food into healthcare? You know, if we're talking about healthy food in healthcare, not necessarily, but if we're talking about, so my, my trajectory has been teaching, right? Mm-hmm. And that is a, so there's kind of two different skill sets, two different, should we say, typical personalities, perchaps the, sure. the, the elements and then the, you know, successful chef 
elements. Sure. And so, you know, I would say it is a little bit unique in that a person has or is able to kind of wrangle and put together in some fun way both of those. Yeah personality types, both of those elements, I think. Yeah. I mean, I would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably, it's, it's a rare skill set perhaps because fun has to be at the core of it as well. I know, you know, and I'll be the first to admit there are chefs out there that, you know, I look up to and I admire and, you know, they would kick me up and down a professional kitchen. Mm -hmm. Right. But put them in a teaching kitchen and, uh, you know, they would probably struggle. So such a good point. And you were a founding point in us establishing our teaching kitchen at the point retreats, too, where we were really kind of going around and around what kind of kitchen do we want to have? And you brought up the concept of a teaching kitchen. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we need at the point. It's not meant to be this kind of really intense like experience where it's, you know, all hands on deck. It's meant to be fun and, and lively and engaging. And you have been responsible for making that. I'll never forget the first time I heard a class happening in there and everybody's like laughing and all of a sudden I see high fives happening in the kitchen and wine is flowing. And I'm like, I kind of want to go in there. And historically, our guests, all of them give give the time in the kitchen a five out of five star rating. Like they love it. And that's a big part of because you bring in that that educator component and you make it an experience. And if you have not had a chance to watch Jeremy in action, I mean, not only is what he creates in the kitchen exquisite and amazing and healthy, but he really has talk about personality. Like you kind of have this kitchen Hollywood personality where I'm like, Whoa, look at that guy. I was like, that's awesome. You could be on a show. I kind of turn it on and off though. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we kind of all have that, right? Like, you know, yeah. our professional lives, we have to sometimes turn on, but, but you're a very much a half glass full all the time, but then you yeah. have like this, take it up a notch. You know, for yep. just quoting Emerald, which feels kind of relevant, right? It's okay. You it's you okay. kick it up a notch in the kitchen with you um, bring in this presence, right? That really gets people involved with what they're doing. And another element that we didn't really you know touch on yet is is fun. Uh, yeah. It's gotta be fun, and it should be. It can be fun. You know, we, we can't miss out on that either. Yeah. Uh, you know, on, a, on a, an engagement level, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you mentioned, you know, some high fives and woohoos and you know, that's how, that's how we do it in the kitchen. Yeah, I know. It's very, it's, it is really fun to watch to the, actually to the point where I sent my kids to a, a culinary class that you put on for kids. I'm like, I want them to enjoy being in the kitchen. I want them to like cooking and kind of fall in love with the art of it. And, and that's how you set the stage in the kitchen. So I so value what you bring to the point retreats and to the kitchen and to the culinary world and then to food as medicine. But I know some of your philosophies around food might be a little bit different than, you know, other chefs. So where do you find yourself aligning in really kind of more of that traditional chef role versus maybe more of the non-traditional nutrition philosophies? Let's um, talk about the uh, tradition, if you will, in regards to nutrition philosophies, mm-hmm. right? So we can all, I think, pretty much align on being an eye on our salt saturated fats, refined carbohydrates. These are all, these are, you know, not new ideas. These are things that we know we should keeping, keeping on the lower side, you know, keeping an eye, like I said, keeping an eye on them. But so many times I feel like traditional um, dietitians and healthcare providers, they only focus on what not to do, right? Mm, don't do mm-hmm. this. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's really important, you know, if I'm removing something, I have to replace it with something else, right? Sure, so where sure. do people go to get that information? And then also keeping in mind the human element. I think that's really important as well. I can't just focus on the don't, 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 don't and, mm-hmm. and remove 65% of the things that I've, I've been eating for 30 years. Right. Without some help, without some support and understanding what, you know, again, I'm supposed to replace that with. And keeping a focus on and remembering that we're talking about when we talk about, you know, dietary changes, we want to think long term. We want to think habit change, and these mm-hmm. are these are difficult things to do. I one of the things that I really hate, and you know this, is the word diet. Right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't help anyone in the long term. Right? They're short term fixes. They're band aids. Right? And and we you know we either fail or we succeed, and we do the latest greatest thing for sixty days, and then we celebrate. And mm-hmm. my that's where do we go from there? <laughs> right. right. Usually backwards so, <laughs> to yeah, what we were doing before. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I think that's where, you know, that I align on keeping an eye on some of those things that science has proven are not, you know, good in large amounts. Right. Um, and I veer from the tradition, I think, in in really focusing on, again, that lifestyle, that the building of habits and not just slapping a short-term Band-Aid onto something. So important. So you're really looking at what you provide as supporting someone's health span, not just a fad. This is not just going to be a moment in the kitchen. This is like, what can I do for you that you can sustain until you're 80? 100%. And that's what's missing, I think, right? I mean, you can, you know, you can be inpatient or outpatient and, you know, there are resources for you to visit with a dietitian. And, you know, again, they they talk you through a lot of these things that we want to perhaps avoid, Mm -hmm. um, but there's little, I think, in uh, regards to uh, support and mm-hmm. skill building, because I can't just go from, you know, grabbing meals out of the freezer and microwaving it every day of my life to cooking from scratch overnight. Right, right. It's not going to work, right? right. We got to figure out how to do this. Like any other skill set, you know, could I change the transmission in my car? Maybe it's going to take me forever right. and I'm not going to be very good at it. I'm not going to have fun with it. But if I focus on building the skills that I need in order to do that, it could be a different story. 100%. And and that's where that educator part comes in too, right? So like as a teacher, you can't expect to teach someone, you know, pre-algebra and then, you know, a, cu- a couple of days later teach them calculus. Like there's right. building blocks and you are fine with educating along the way and kind of following that process of evolving a re- positive relationship with whole food. Absolutely. And it's crucial, in fact, you know, yeah. to, we, we wouldn't expect to get from here to 10,000 overnight. Right. Uh, it takes time. And and I think that's really key to, again, building those healthy habits, healthier habits. Absolutely. And celebrating the small successes, too. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so important as well. We we might do really well with, you know, uh, working towards our goal for three weeks and we have one off day and, you know, we scrap the whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So, yep. you know, I've been supporting there. each other along those. Yeah. Right. We yeah. all have. Yeah. yeah. And that's critical. And, you know, especially when you're so you've I mean, I know you've educated uh, so many different people in the kitchen from physicians to patients to families to the community. And really, you know, what my experience was when we started having classes for patients in the kitchen was they were so happy to be in a relatable space where they felt welcome and we could actually like talk about food and their disease because for some reason, the only thing that we do tell patients is exactly what you said. No, no, and no, you can't do this. You can't do this. Take out this. Don't do that. 
And I mean, that right there makes someone want to go home and eat out of stress. It's and, and, you know, we're not solving any problems by not making a relationship with food positive again and positive, whether you're managing a disease or positive, whether you're just needing, you know, to continue to work on health. And, and you bring that so beautifully into the kitchen. I've, you just make everybody feel so welcome and like everyone's on the same platform. Thank you. And I think it's, and like you said, uh, we want to feel engaged. We want to feel welcome. We don't want to feel intimidated. Hell's Kitchen is fun to watch on TV, but Uh I don't want to, I don't want to go there. Right. Uh-huh. So in our kitchens, it's it's about fun. It's about being engaged, uh, you know, feeling welcome and, and again, not feeling intimidated. Right. Right. So what are some of those aha moments that you've had where, you know, you've been in the kitchen with, you know, whomever and you're like, oh, you just see like something's clicking. Like, or can you just tell us about some of those moments that I'm sure have stuck out for you throughout your career? Yeah. And there have been honestly, there have been so many. Some of those that that really stand out is like, and it might sound silly, but they're shocked when they realize they can do this. Yeah, I can do this. <laughs> yeah, the the shock and awe uh, is is really awesome. I have to uh-huh. say, I love those aha moments. And then the next one is, I can I can teach this. I can share this as mm-hmm. well, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really I think important as well, because it's a, it's a movement, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not, it's not just me in the kitchen doing this work. Like everyone that comes into our kitchen mm-hmm. can, you know, the ripple effect, right? They can take it home and share it with their friends and family. and things like that. So that, oh my gosh, I can actually, now that I know the proper way, I'm going right. to go and I'm going to share it with everyone I know, right? right and they're excited right. about that. They're thrilled to be able to do that. Because we all, you know, on a fundamental level, we all want to, this human element, we all want to help each other in some way. And then shock and awe as well that um, healthy food can taste good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so many people, you know, you and I, we, we swim in this pool all the time, but so many people are still absolutely shocked that they can enjoy uh, healthy food. Again, a, a huge aha that the eyes are bright and open that it, it is fun, yeah. right? And, you know, like we just talked about, uh, they, they, and a lot of people too, they, without the skill set they experience stress and and dread when they think about or when they step into their own kitchens because they don't know what they're going to do. Right. So when they have a little bit of support, a recipe, someone to ask a question of, right? Mm-hmm. Someone to show them the safe way to use a knife. Um, they, they they get this this feeling of fun and engagement, which is which is really important as well. No, those are all great aha moments. And, you know, it's interesting. Every now and then we'll have someone kind of probe about like, well, what kind of food is there? Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Because you say healthy. Should I bring my own food? Should I bring like bars and stuff? And I'm like, trust me, this is not like a lima bean and bare bones chicken that you're getting. I'm like, you know, gosh, it's diet food. I'm going to be starving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the case. So not the case. No. I mean, you, it's like we, we, we know it's healthy. And of course, you know, being a health and wellness retreat center, we talk about that to some degree, but really it's just enjoyable. It's not, it's healthy, but you don't even have to sit and think about the fact that it's healthy because, you know, you just, that's part of what you do ahead of time is you kind of just make sure that everything's really nicely balanced. Right. But it's also flavorful. Yeah. Well, and depending on who you're talking to, that, that, the H word can, you can lose them immediately. Mm -hmm. I rarely use the word. I've, I've sort of shifted to nutritious. Yeah. Uh, they're at least a little more open then. They hear that H word and they think cardboard and oats. I don't know, right, cardboard right. and twigs. 
Uh-huh. Um, My kids think that. I'm like, Mom, is this one of your healthy things? Because it's not going to taste good. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's really good. Just have Jeremy told me how to make it. Just hang in there. So, they, need an, they need another session. <laughs> yeah, they do. They need some more schooling. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, too, I think the other thing is, I mean, I've been in the kitchen a long time cooking, but my husband would attest that, like, I pick up my knife and he gets a little worried. And you bought this beautiful set of knives to have up at the point. And the first time I used them, I think I took a picture and I had like band-aids on nine out of 10 fingers. And I'm like, okay, apparently I do not know how to use a knife. And you teach even simple skills like that, which all of us might think we know how to do it. But then I watch how you do it. And I'm like, oh, there's actually a proper technique. There's a way to do this. So it's simpler. It's safer. It's, you know, makes it more enjoyable. Yeah. And that's a really good point too, because even some, you know, someone that's been cooking for 20, 30, 40 years, they, they, they get through, they get by, they might enjoy it, but they too can benefit from, if they've never worked in a professional kitchen, right. you know, they too can benefit from exposure to a professional. And those are some great aha moments too. Yeah. I had, you know, we've had a couple tough customers in the kitchen uh-huh. and they're like, Oh, I've been cooking for, I know it all. And then yeah. <laughs> to see their eyes pop open too, when they find, you know, something that they could be doing uh, a little bit easier, a little bit safer is awesome too. Absolutely. No, we've had some pretty well-known physicians and functional medicine clinicians in our kitchen and they've been impressed and I get requests. It, the question comes up often as I'm working with speakers who've maybe been there before, like, well, who's, is Chef Jeremy going to be there? <laughs> and I'm like, I'll see what I can do. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, you get special requests because they're like, I want that food. I want to be part of that kitchen. So it's uh, good. It's good. Yeah. But yeah, if people, and we've also experienced this, right? People are really emotional about food. We all probably have at times used food for stress relief or, you know, to cope with any kind of, you know, strong emotion we're having. Um, And this year, probably more than ever, I know as we've started to prepare for retreats, we're like, you know, people are probably going to come with a lot more stress and sadness and sorrow. And uh, that sometimes we see it in the kitchen with food where you can kind of see that it's maybe not the food in and of itself, but that's where people's stress and emotions come out. And so that's something that I've also watched you be very observant of and mindful of as you're cooking, because it's an emotional topic. Yeah, it it absolutely is from, you know, it can be positive too, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. food, smells, aromas, flavors, these things can trigger emotions that we may not even realize where they come from, right? I mean, we've all had we all remember that dish that, you know, grandma or great grandma used to make and yeah. you know, the emotion and the feeling that came with that. Right. right? So, you know, positive and negative. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people do kind of replace or cover up things, you know, with mm-hmm. food sometimes. Mm-hmm. And again, probably not even being aware of it, but yeah, you know, being in our situation, mm-hmm. we, we need to be sort of ultra aware, look for signs, look for, you know, signals. And usually mm-hmm. people will, are pretty upfront about it. Uh, mm-hmm. whether again, they know it's for an emotional reason or not, but you know, I, I don't want to work on that dish. I'd rather work over here. Sure. Right. So, you know, being yeah. extra accommodating when it comes to those kinds of things. As oh, well. that's interesting. So but. you kind of find people end up self-directing a little bit and maybe a space that they are more drawn to for good reasons or just want to avoid for maybe some, you know, memories that they don't want to revisit at the time in the kitchen. So definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And that's all, that's all good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to be you know, aware of the positives, you know, and then some slightly less positive as well yeah. and do our best to, to accommodate them. Because at the end of the day, again, we want it to be a positive experience, right. you know, when they're in that region. 
Yeah. So true. So true. Well, and you do that. I mean, it's kind of like, I can't imagine anyone not having elements of like, oh, okay, I got this or, oh, this is comfortable or, oh, I didn't think I could do this, but I can. And you just bring out a lot of those positive moments for people, which is really just so unique and really phenomenal because of all the different emotions food can elicit. Okay. So tell me, do you consider yourself a healthcare rebel? hundred percent, you know, and again, I don't want to bag on the traditional dietitian or healthcare ad- advisor, whether it's in the form of a, you know, practitioner or a physician or, you know, whatever it is, I don't want to bag on them. If we look at the food that exists in our current healthcare setting, our current mainstream healthcare settings, you know, we can ask ourselves, is this food serving us? Is this mm-hmm. food helping our body's innate ability to heal? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or not, you know, mm-hmm. food can do both. It can help or it can be a detriment to, mm-hmm. to healing. And so what do we see, you know, if, and anybody, if we've been in a hospital ever in our lives, we, we know something comes to mind when we think hospital food, right? <laughs> and there's been some movement, you know, that I've seen dietitians hanging out over the lunch hour, you know, trying to, you know, persuade people to, you know, eat the whatever, but again, where, you know, where's the support? Do they, are they getting the support that they need to actually mm-hmm. do it at home? Because it's not just about what we're eating at the hospital. So yes, I think I am absolutely a healthcare rebel. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any other way to look at it uh-huh. because I'm not peddling quinoa 24 hours a day. Right. Uh, and that, that emotional piece comes in. I'm not eating quinoa 24 hours a day either. You can't make, <laughs> forget yeah. it. I, yeah. I, I need the variety and, um, uh, and it can be done in a, in a simple way with a little bit of coaching and some improvement amongst mm-hmm. one's skills, mm-hmm. right? And again, you know, not to come down too hard on anyone in that mainstream setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at the education that these professionals receive, they're not receiving really any mm-hmm. what we might consider culinary or kitchen-worthy training, right? right, right. They're understanding on a they're receiving training on a, like a, maybe a molecular level and, you know, what the vitamin C does and what the D does and, you know, all these kinds of things. But as far as actually transferring that into one's real live kitchen, right. um, it's just not their, their area of expertise. Mm-mm. So yeah, I'm a rebel. You are a rebel. <laughs> I love it. I'm happy you're a rebel and I'm happy you're a rebel at the point, but it's well, so true. And you know, it's such a, it's a, it can be a delicate topic. I feel like even myself as a nurse, I've sometimes offended, you know, people, physicians or nurses or healthcare clinicians. And I just say, you know, so we don't know a lot about nutrition. It's just not part of our education. Now, it doesn't mean that healthcare individuals can't go on to become more specialized and experts. And I know a number of people that do, you know, study independently post their formal education to become much more fluent in the practice of nutrition and the culinary world, which is wonderful. But I would say by far and large, that's probably the exception and not the rule. Honestly, they're unicorns. I've worked with a handful of them. I think they were all from the university, Uh, but we've gone to food conferences with traditionally trained physicians and they they want to explore this and those are the one i i believe that those people are going to have the most power mm-hmm. in helping people uh really make lifestyle change and and aiding in their health because they have that you know the underlying training the the medical training but they're also able to coach and and help people make 
uh, or take those things into their into their real lives. And it's really critical. I do, and I, I, from my understanding, you know, is that it's there are improvements being made in both the medical programs and the nursing programs to teach healthcare professionals much more about nutrition. Thank goodness, um, because so many of our medications have to be timed around food and or dosed around food. So it's a really symbiotic relationship. I mean, and we have to look at it as such as healthcare professionals. So I hope that you keep seeing more and more interest from healthcare professionals in learning. And for us to be, be humble enough to say, I know what I know and I know what I don't know and it's okay. Like we don't have to know everything and we can continue to learn from experts who do is really important. Yep. And that's a really great point as well. Empower them. And, and again, you know, they need the resources as well. They need to know where to make a referral and they need to feel confident in making that referral. With, mm-hmm. You know, while healthcare providers are often are looked to, to be an expert in everything, mm-hmm. uh, the simple fact is they're not, and that's okay. Right. right. Along those lines, too, I want to give a shout out to the pharmacists that mm. I have seen in my classes. Yeah. They, for whatever reason, I, 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 I was a little surprised, uh-huh. but across all the channels of the work that in culinary education that I've done, so many pharmacists have been involved, intrigued, interested, and they want to educate them, themselves right. in this. And so I think that is absolutely awesome, you know, bringing the fix, mm-hmm. uh, the pharma fix, perhaps, if you will, and the long-term lifestyle uh, medicine together. How powerful is that, right? That is actually, that is really powerful and sh- and quite shocking. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised to hear this because... I don't know if people know this, but pharmacists are taking a bigger role in some medication coaching in a lot of outpatient settings and and inpatient too. And so they are the ones often, you know, kind of saying, well, you know, you take this much insulin for this many carbs and this much food and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And for them to have an interest in doing it beyond X plus Y equals Z and going, well, how can we manipulate X and Y? So you need less of Z, right? Like that's so yeah. awesome. I remember the first, that was one of my aha moments, but the first time or the first couple of times we taught um, CME classes, right? Mm-hmm. In, the, in the mainstream uh, healthcare teaching kitchen. I want to say out of 16 people, four of them were pharmacists. Yeah. So I first wow. noticed this trend and then, and then I kind of kept an eye on it. And it wasn't just it wasn't just an anomaly. Hmm. Um, they're in a high percentage, in mm-hmm. especially in these you know CME scenarios, but also outside of the you know it's not just the CME that that they're seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of pharmacists, which again I think is I think is awesome. So well, hey, shout yeah. out to the pharmacists for yeah. you know taking that on because that's it's a little bit of a dichotomy right in their profession because they're well, a, lot, a lot of people could see it that way, yeah. right? Yeah, but it, it should you know, work together. Right, right. They absolutely should work together. And, you know, again, we kind of all default what we know, what we've been taught, right? So for them, I just give them even all that many more accolades because, you know, they could easily default to, well, I'm just going to, I would suggest we increase the dose or, you know, we switch to a stronger medication. Buy a different one. Right. right. Mm -hmm. But instead, clearly they're going, well, hey, how could food maybe be impacting this? Or where could I possibly coach a patient with food? And, you know, a lot of times I think people have really good relationships with their pharmacists and they maybe get a little bit more time with them. So what yeah. a great relationship to have and continue to have around medication and food. So that's really cool. I know. I had to share that with you. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I know a couple of pharmacists who I can see, you know, 
doing that. And, and maybe you have more time when you're meeting with your pharmacist or you, there's less intimidation to, you know, converse with your pharmacist about it than your doctor yeah. or nurse. But yeah, yeah. so cool. For whatever right. reason, they have that, you know, that, that interest level, which yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, super cool. Okay, so as a healthcare rebel, tell me what's your cause? I would have to say on a very foundational level to simplify. It doesn't, you know, we live in this time when we're just inundated with information 24 hours a day, right? Mm -hmm. Information overload. We turn the TV on or the radio in the car, or we scroll on the phone or the tablet or the computer, and we're constantly inundated with it, which, you know, overload on anything is not a good thing. Then we tend to switch off, right? Mm -hmm. So- I think that's my my cause to simplify, yeah. to make it easy. Again, safe, right? I mean, you know, working mm-hmm. we're working with sharp instruments and time is of the issue. Giving people the skills that they need, helping them craft the skills that they need to work safely and efficiently mm-hmm. and to simplify and understand that, you know, it doesn't have to be, in fact, for most people, I recommend they stay away from, you know, any recipe that has more than half a dozen ingredients mm-hmm. for the average dinner. Um, right. It doesn't have to be difficult. Or if there's four paragraphs of uh, method or instruction, maybe we save that one for a weekend, uh, right. right? Yeah. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with simplify. Which is a dynamite answer because I think more people got in the kitchen to cook this past year maybe than ever, right? Because we had, you know, periods where we couldn't go out to eat like we're accustomed to. So we kind of had to figure out how to work in the kitchen a little more. And I hope people hear that, took that to heart. I know people were taking your classes richly, which is awesome because we all had to learn how to work in our kitchens again, which is probably one of the upsides of the last year. Sometimes our nature is like we go from zero to 10 and you're saying in a recipe, like you're not going to do great at a recipe that's, you know, difficulty level of a 10. So try and find something that's realistic. Right. And having, you know, like you just mentioned, having the scenario that we're in sort of, you know, forcing a lot of people into their kitchens more than they're used to. It can also be a double-edged sword, right? Because, you know, are they grabbing, you know, a dozen of the frozen meals and then, you know, full of the fake colors, the fake preservatives, all the fake things, you know, is that, is that where someone went? Mm -hmm. Um, That's, you know, that could be even more detrimental. Right. Or, you know, did we start to work in some scratch cook whole foods, you know? Uh, right. So it's still, you know, really up to the individual. I yeah. guess. Where they, That's a know, great point. That yeah. is a great point. Because there were a lot of tempting quick fixes. You know, fast food restaurants stayed open and mm-hmm. you can always go through the drive through or you can grab something out of the freezer really quick. And you're trying to get that message across of, hey, I can give you really healthy options that are equally as easy costs the same as those other alternatives that you went to. Right. A lot of times, I mean, frequently they could be even cheaper, really. Yeah. Uh, And and they, it doesn't have to take a ton of time. These are some of these, you know, conceptions that people have. It's going to be expensive. You know, Uh it's it's going to take me forever. So, you know, again, kind of going back to that, that rebel piece and and dispelling those myths. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And simplify is going to be really important as, you know, at some point, hopefully soon we all can kind of, we're starting to see a light at the end of this pandemic tunnel that we are going to go back into this life again where I don't know about you, but I'm like, oh, geez, like I actually have to get dressed up to go to work again someday. <laughs> and I actually have to like see someone at a meeting in person. And right. then I have to come home, you know, after an eight, 10 hour day, I got to come home and have dinner ready because I'm and I'm now used to working more at home. So 
all these shifts that I hope people can go, hey, I can still make a healthy meal simple. Yeah. Like we said earlier, you know, don't try to get to from one to 10,000 overnight, right? Yeah. So if, if you are that person that grabbed the dozen frozen meals and that's what you and your family had every day, mm-hmm. success is just replacing one of those a week with a scratch cooked meal. Right. Right. So right. it's not, it's not all or nothing. It's, yeah. you know, it's a zero sum game. Uh, yeah. it, it's still success and it should be, it should be honored as success just by replacing one, one meal a week of those, you know, the, the frozen thing with a scratch cooked meal. Right. Uh, and, and that's and a win. It's a total win, huge yeah. win. Yep, and we absolutely. do, we tend to kind of be like all or nothing around food. Like I am doing it perfect or right. I'm not doing it at all. Right. And, and how hard is perfect? Oh man. So perfect hard. Sucks. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so is a day in and day out of not doing it at all. Like then you start to feel really awful and yeah. emotionally and physically and psychologically. It's kind of like, ah, oh, you start beating yeah. yourself up. And so I love that you just help people find a truth in the middle, right? Like there's a middle ground to food. And I'm sure that's not always been easy as a chef. You probably sometimes feel pulled to be, you know, make these complicated meals that like no one else can make. Only Chef Jeremy can make them. Or you feel pulled to maybe follow these fad philosophies. And you've done, I mean, I've watched you now for five years and longer. And I'm, you know, you just, I'm like, nope, I am right here in the middle and I'm going to keep help people find their safe truth in the middle of food. And that's where you've stayed. And you've stayed very true to that. And I admire that about you because I'm sure you've had times where you feel like you're getting pulled in different directions. I'll be honest with you. I kind of, (laughs) I kind of use myself as a model. Uh, I'm not perfect either. Yeah. Um, I actually, if I were to, sh- I have a frozen pizza in my freezer right now. Uh, I know. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. It's been there for a while, but you uh-huh. know what? It's so cold lately that I might not want to go out one time and, yeah. and, and I'm going to forgive myself for that. Yes. Too, yes. Right? And I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay with that. So while yes, you know, we feel pulled in different directions again, that moderation and realizing that we're human mm-hmm. and, you know, all the things, the emotional pieces and the skill levels and, and all of that. It's just, you know, striving to be, you know, one step better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then attaining that little goal. Right. Is, and, then, and then celebrating it is, is, is really powerful for people. I love so, that. But I do. I use myself as a yeah. model. And I, I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect either. Yeah. And I, you know, I can appreciate that too. And if it makes you feel any better, I have a frozen pizza in my freezer too, since we're con- <laughs> on confession time here on the podcast. Mine is gluten-free with a, co- you know, some form of vegetable crust. <laughs> so Very my kids good. would say it's a healthy pizza, but, right. but yeah. <laughs> but, you know, actually one of my favorite moments with you, Jeremy, um, is when we sat down and we shared a really high quality beer together at the point. And I'm sure most people are like, What? And uh-huh. I don't, I don't drink beer a ton, but it was such an awesome treat. And I carried like, I was like, that was awesome. We yeah. had a chance to just kind of decompress from a long day and, um, you know, got to know one another a little bit more as individuals and just enjoy a really good beer. And that's yeah. okay. It is. And I didn't feel bad afterwards at all. I, I didn't feel guilty. No, I didn't either. And I think that's key to kind of our philosophy at the point, too, is, I mean, we have certain 
people that we know follow a number of different diets and we respect that. And, you know, I've been on different ones and you've probably done different things too. But for the most part, we really want people to fall in love with whole nutritious food and, you know, kind of enjoy the art of cooking again. That's where it starts, right? And Mm -hmm. then figuring out for yourself where Mm -hmm. you need to take it, being mindful of how certain foods impact you. How do you feel after you eat certain foods? Because food is such a personal thing as well. You know, I often have have had clients come to me and say, just, I don't want to think about it anymore. Give me the meal plan that I can eat for one week and I'll eat it every day. Yep. And, you know, you can't do that because it doesn't, food is a very personal thing and it impacts each of us different, whether it's gluten or dairy or nuts or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be. So it's a, it's a journey and each one of us is on a slightly different journey. That is a really important point to make because it's so true, right? Like what works for you probably would not work for me. Um, And, and, you know, we have to figure out where our individual spot is, you know, kind of once you get rid of all the major offenders, right. You know, and get yourself kind of centered and like, okay, this is the good, the good group of food to use generally speaking. And then from there, it has to kind of meet the individual and what their goals are and where they are. And it from there for you. Yeah. Very good point to make though. Personalized food, personalized medicine and food. You know, food, I think, is a big part of personalized medicine and preventative medicine. Definitely. So, Jeremy, where can people find out more about you? I know you're on the cusp of this new adventure. So if if you're willing to share a little bit about that and then where can people find you if they want to take a class with you or learn more from you? Yes, absolutely. So I am incredibly excited. I, I accepted a position with a new startup company called Launch My Health. Mm-hmm. I have Stepped out of mainstream healthcare. Feels great. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Feels great. We are a fully virtual but live and interactive uh, service, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be teaching cooking classes. We'll have a, a, a dietitian on staff. We're going to be expanding into um, providing uh, visits with functional medicine providers, which is incredibly exciting as well. Mm-hmm. But it's called Launch My Health. And again, we're 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 pre-launch. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, we will be officially launching our services in March. You can go to our website now. It's up and you can sign up to be kept in the loop in regards to um, fun upcoming things and in regards to more information about yeah. Launch My Health as well. And it's just launchmyhealth.com. It's going to be fun and entertaining and all of those things that, that we talked about for each cooking class, the hope is that folks will be cooking along with me at home Mm -hmm. again live interactive they can ask questions as they're going i'm creating all the recipes i'm creating what we call the toolkit as well so i'm creating a shopping list the equipment list as well as any advanced prep that Mm -hmm. uh, needs to be done so that we can get a meal on the table in less than 60 minutes fully scratch food you're keeping it simple for people like you said simplify simplify You got it. I love that. And I know a number of the individuals involved in Launch My Health, um, and they're exceptional. So I'm certain that you're going to do great and would highly recommend people to check Launch My Health out and and join a class and just try it. Uh, Because I know the classes that you used to teach were just exceptional, and I expect it to be no different at Launch My Health. So very exciting. Congratulations to you and the Launch My Health team. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So you're ready for some fire round questions. I'm ready. I'm ready. Bring them on. Okay, we had to get really creative for chef, right? Because we can't ask you the regular questions. We need to know what to do in the kitchen. Right. So hope everyone get their pen and paper out. Take some notes here. All right, avocado oil versus coconut oil. 
Ooh, that's a good one. I personally use both. If I had to choose one, I have to go with avocado oil. Okay. All right. I like it. Himalayan salt versus real salt versus sea salt. Mm. So disclaimer, I love salt. (laughs) So all all three. I'm not supposed to say that, right? I use it responsibly. I'm going to go probably Himalayan. Okay. Um, Kosher is my workhorse, though. I got to get kosher crops. Yeah, we thought about putting kosher in there, but we didn't. Yeah, of those three, I'll go Himalayan. Himalayan. Avocado oil, Himalayan salt. Hope everyone's writing this down. (laughs) If you could only bring one cooking utensil to an island, you're stranded on this island, what would it be? Ooh, the first thing that came to mind was microplane. (laughs) If you don't know. I don't even know what that is. So clearly it's not on my island. So it's a fine grater, a fine rasp. Okay. Right? So I'm thinking yeah. I'm on an island. I might need to shred like coconut meat, yeah. right? Yeah. Or like like citrus zest. Maybe I have a lime tree growing there. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. It's very <laughs> <Microphone>. creative. <laughs> See, and you're a smart chef because you realize you probably won't have electricity. So you thought, I got to bring something I can't plug in. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I love it. Okay, if you could only have one utensil in your kitchen. Oh, chef knife. Chef knife. Okay. Yep. Any yep. certain brand of chef knife? Uh, I mean, Wusthof is, is kind of mm-hmm. the workhorse, the, the the gold standard, if you will. Okay. Got it. Yep. I, th- I think that's the one that I almost took a couple fingers off one time. Probably. Probably. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> they work. Okay. Sauerkraut or kimchi? Ooh, got to go sauerkraut. Uh, kimchi can be spicy. Mm-hmm. Plus I have like some German Polish roots in me. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with the sauerkraut, just traditional sauerkraut. So, you know what I recently just learned? I, yeah, I've been eating sauerkraut my whole life and my family, they cooked it and we would cook usually a, a pork roast or something in it. Right. Well, mm-hmm. sauerkraut and kimchi, the reason you asked this question, of course, because they're really good for gut health, right? right. They're probiotics, they're living food. We call them. Well, if you cook the snot out of them, you're killing the good stuff that's in them. Right. Uh... Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. So I've, I've recently shifted my sauerkraut consumption and I just use hmm. it sort of as a, as a garnish, uh, but uncooked. Okay. So I want that health benefit of the, the gut benefit. Of right. That right. Live food. So is there any benefit to very cooked? So it depends on how long you cook it, I suppose, just like anything else, yeah, right? If yeah. We would roast it for hours. Right. And then the pork, I mean, it's delicious. Don't get me wrong. The pork roast would just fall apart and there would be little brown edges around the, the sauerkraut. It's delicious. But by then, it, anything live that was in it has mm-hmm. to be done. Hmm. So, so yeah. feeling So that philosophy of like we're boosting our gut microbiome by eating a lot of sauerkraut, we may have to revisit yeah, re- revisit your approach there a little bit. Mm-hmm. But okay. the maximum, the maximum benefit, eat it raw. All right. Very good to know. How about your favorite purple vegetable? I'll go cabbage. Cabbage. Okay. Yeah. Purple cabbage. Yep. yep. What do you eat it with or just plain? So, you know what I like to do with it? It's, again, simple, right? Mm-hmm. I'll shred it nice and fine and then squeeze a lime or two over the top of it and a pinch of salt, toss that up an absolutely delicious condiment to mm. in a burger or a steak or a salad or anywhere you want to mm-hmm. get a little bit of crunch, a little acidity, and some of those awesome anthocyanins, antioxidant in those purple fruits and vegetables. Well, and I was at a functional medicine conference once and they said, eat as many purple vegetables as you can. It's my most nutrient dense vegetable and color mm. a vegetable. True? Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard that factoid. Okay. 
Uh, I'm not going to dispute it. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I know okay. there's a lot of those flavonoids, they're called, right? Mm-hmm. Which help support and rid the body of, of inflammatory agents. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I also, I, I mean, I love that, but I don't want to minimize any color of sure. sugar vegetables. Right. They all bring a slightly different and unique. So the more colors we can get, mm-hmm. I know it's it's totally cliche, but I still use it eating the rainbow. Mm-hmm. It's so important. It's so beneficial to people's health and well-being and, and resilience and right. you know um, all that. Yep. So you get all the different vitamin, minerals, antioxidants kind of through the rainbow, which is true. It is true. Yeah. Even though, yeah, we've been saying it for a long time, it still holds true, which is good. Okay. Vineyard or brewery? Oh, I love them both. Gosh, I, uh, I got, okay. I got to go vineyard. Oh, re- okay. I thought you were going to say brewery. So, no, okay. I used to live in Napa and I have some very fond memories of hanging out at some vineyards. So, mm-hmm. and they're beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. Mustard seeds in Napa. Have you ever been? No. Everything is yellow with the yellow blooms. Oh, beautiful. beautiful. All right, I'll have yeah. to add that to my to-go-to list. Well, yeah. and you can pair wine so nicely with food, too. Not that you can't with beer, but it's a yeah, little different. You can, well. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, meal that's best to leave to the culinary professionals. Like, don't try this at home kind of a thing. Wow, again, comes back to simplicity. So these convoluted classic French cuisine recipes. Mm-hmm. I'm classically French trained, by the way. I've, mm-hmm. I've been there. I've done them. I can do them. Yeah. Do I want to do them for dinner when I've got 45 minutes? No way. No. Forget about it. Yeah. Right. And one example I'll give as well in regards to that. And I questioned this very early on. I was in, in college actually learning. And this one recipe that we were studying, it had onion in it. It had some leek in it. It had some chives in it. Those are three things, three members of the allium or the onion family, right? Right. In my mind, I'm like, how much onion do we need in this dish, <laughs> right? Do I need to buy three different versions of an onion? Right. Or can I get the job done with one kind, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah. Simplify. 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 You, you can simplify fancy French food is what I hear you say. Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right. I like it. So tell us what your last meal would be. Oh, mm-hmm. I have my deathbed meal. Do you? Okay, good. You seemed like, when I asked you that, because I did not actually mention that to you before. And you're like, oh, no, I got that. (laughs) Oh, I got this one. Okay. Uh, It's called uh, Oso Buco with Risotto Milanese. Ooh, that sounds really good. (laughs) So it's braised veal shank or beef shank. Mm -hmm. So like the very tough cut, right? Mm -hmm. Braised for about eight hours, becomes incredibly tender, delicious. The natural sauce from the collagen in the animal is very, very healthy for us. Um, it's become silky and smooth. And then pair that with a, a beautiful risotto yeah. with some saffron and chicken stock. And I've been, that's my, been my deathbed meal for years. I've been using that example. Wow. So that's, that's, that's held steady. That's a way to my heart right there. Yeah. Okay. Well, everyone <laughs> heard that now. So <laughs> that sounds like a very good last meal. I can appreciate what you're saying. And I know you make a risotto that is off the charts. Incredible. So it's on our menu, actually. It's on it? our menu, yeah. yeah. Okay, so favorite cookbook or cooking show? Who do you oh, go to? Who does a chef go to to learn how to do something different? So, yeah, TV's tough, to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's more TV than food or kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I feel like perhaps some of these TV shows have done more damage to the average home cook by mm-hmm. you know, leading them down wrong, incorrect paths or things that 
half truths, perhaps. My go-to was, and this, you know, it's a, if you're familiar at all, it's kind of a sad scenario, but Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he was my guy of all of the TV guys. Mm-hmm. He, so many of them, to be honest with you, Krista, are not even chefs. Uh, really? TV. Oh yes. You'd be surprised. Once you, so take my, well, my knife skills class. Yeah. And you can tell um, by watching one of these TV chefs. Yeah. Use a chef knife. If they hold it in correctly, there's no way that they've been working in restaurants for years and years and years. Interesting. So that, yeah, that's so are you little, telling me everything you see on TV isn't true? I, can you believe it? <laughs> I think. But Anthony Bourdain, he was the real deal. He lived a life and, you know, shared about it. So yeah. he was, I would, I can completely appreciate that. Okay. So last question. Ooh, okay. You have put together an incredible list of recipes that we often get requests for after a retreat. Can you guess my favorite dish that you make? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Favorite dish of our entire like weekend mm-hmm. retreat mm-hmm. menu. I hear a lot about the horseradish sauce. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. You you nailed it. That's it. Like I could just, and I know it sounds crazy because the word horseradish is in it. I could just eat that sauce. Like I'd put that sauce on everything if I could. Right. It's so good. And so simple, isn't it? It is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So tell me like a couple of the ingredients in it. So horseradish, garlic, lemon juice. And, um, I think I do a half and half on that one, like a a Greek yogurt Mm -hmm. and uh, sour cream or a creme fraiche. It is so good. And you're right. It sounds so simple and it does not taste the same when I make it, I have to confess. But we will occasionally, we've sent out the profile of recipes to the guests after a retreat. And for, I think one time we missed having that in there. And I had a couple oh. people be like, where's that? No, I need that thing, that sauce, that horseradish thing. We do a lot of them, right? I know we do do a lot of them. People are like, you know, filing through the recipes to find that sauce. It's so oh, incredible. That- Awesome. And one thing that I, one disclaimer on that though, it has to be fresh horseradish. Okay. Yeah. That's the good. Yeah. Pre- no yep. way. No way. Fresh horseradish. It's the star of the show. So. Yep. So it has yep. to, it's the name of the dish. So it has to have yep. a presence, right? Yeah. Which is a microplane to, to shred it. Oh, okay. See? See, there's where that microplane comes in. And it all comes together. Yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic. Do we have one of those at the point, by the way? We have a couple. We have three. <laughs> I knew that. everything you make is exceptional i mean from the miso ginger glazed salmon to the avocado brownies to i mean every you make so many incredible dishes but there is something really special about that horseradish sauce that is like it's a six out of a five on the five out of five scale (laughs) and i should say we make incredible food there right it's not me yes yeah it's true it's true although yep you're kind of you're yep Yep, you do. I, it's a collaborative effort by everybody who's in the kitchen with you that you're teaching. And yeah, so yes, good differentiator to make. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time today. It was so fun to catch up with you and learn even more about you in, in the kitchen, even though I've had the the incredible opportunity to witness you both in the kitchen at The Point and in other kitchens. And I'm excited to now watch you at Launch My Health and continue to learn from you there. And then again, I just want to let people know that Chef Jeremy will be at a number of our Point retreats ahead in 2021. He's going to be at our first one that we'll be having this year as we come back to the retreats. And that is in April, and that is for healthcare professionals. It does offer continuing medical education credits. And then he'll be at a number of different retreats this fall. So looking forward to getting our team back together 
together up there after um, a little sabbatical here given the pandemic, but I think we're all ready to roll our sleeves up and and get a retreat on the books and, and welcome everybody up there. And then again, if you're wanting to learn more about The Point Retreats, you can visit our website, thepointretreats.com, our social media handles, Point Retreats. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I also want to say thank you to all of you for listening today. We hope this podcast inspires you to rebel and be well. I hope you'll join us next week as we'll be speaking with Dr. Corey Martin. Dr. Corey Martin is a Yale-trained family physician driven to change the delivery of healthcare and improve the mental and physical health of our communities. Dr. Corey's focus is on preventing burnout in our healthcare clinicians today. been listening to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Rimel, registered nurse, founder, and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. If you'd like to ask Krista Rimel, or one of our past or upcoming guests, a question that will be aired on a future show, simply call 612-352-9177 and leave a message. Please know that when you leave a message, it may be used in whole or in part on a future podcast episode. Again, that phone number is 612-352-9177. Please hit subscribe on whatever podcast source you found us on and rate and review our show. We'd love to hear feedback. Rebel and Be Well is recorded at the studios of Minnesota Podcasting located in St. Paul, Minnesota. Find them online at mnpodcasting.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or policies of The Point Retreats, Minnesota Podcasting, or any other organization. All medical issues, concerns, diagnoses, medications, and treatments must be managed by your doctor. We do not replace any clinician's medical advice or treatment. Join us next time for Rebel and Be Well.